0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's The Goodies, almost live, 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 live.
1: I want to be a rock and roll singer. You? That's what I'm longing to be. Nature! How about you? If you fancy it too, you can accompany me. We've not got very good voices, Ugh. but that doesn't matter a bit. If they let us, then I'm sure we can get us ahead. What a lot of rubbish. Please let us play. And welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Rob.
2: I'm Richard. And I'm Tom.
1: And this is episode 57, where we are going to be talking about the episode, The Goodies Almost Live, and we'll also be having a more general discussion about The Goodies as musical performers. This was first broadcast on the 2nd of November, 1976, again a Tuesday at 9pm. Now, this is obviously a very different episode of The Goodies, because it's basically them in concert for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. How did this come about and what did the BBC think of it? Well, the BBC weren't very happy. Not at all. No. When
3: they pitched series, or when they contracted to do series six, they asked to only do six episodes and the BBC talked them into doing a seventh. Now the initial plan was that the seventh episode was going to be the the cheap, totally studio-bound one, sort of like the end basically, so they'd do the cheap one to, to round out the season. It then morphed into the idea, well, why don't we just do a concert and we'll write some linking material. The BBC weren't very happy with that idea because they believed they were going to get seven specially written scripts, not six what they considered basically to be a clip show. It then got to the point, I think, there really wasn't any time to write a replacement episode and the goodies were adamant this is what they wanted to do. So the BBC reluctantly agreed that they would produce it. The sticking point was that they had already paid a half fee, which was an advance for the script. Now, because the BBC didn't consider this to be a script, there was some difference of opinion over how this money was to be handled. They had a couple of meetings with the BBC. Raymond Bill's interpretation seems to be that, okay, you'll just pay us 50% for this one because it's not really a proper episode and that's the end of it. The BBC's position really was, no, 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 we're getting this one for free. And because we've already paid you 50% over what you're entitled to for this season, we're just going to take half a script's worth of payment away from you next season. Yes, that sort of got into a bit of an argument and the agents and that got involved, although it looks like the BBC did actually come out the victors.
1: So there you go. There you go. Now, I have definite memories of being very young when these were repeated ad nauseum on the ABC and you're in every week to see what episode was on the goodies tonight, because, of course, we didn't know. And when I saw that it was that one where they're just singing for half an hour, being very disappointed and sort of sulking off... <laughs>
3: yes, you go and do something until it was time for Doctor Who. Yes, 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 right. yes, I'm probably guilty of that as well.
1: <laughs> that said, looking back, I think it's actually quite enjoyable. There are some songs that are terrible. There are some songs that are really good. And there are some that are in between. Pun the pun, we'll get to that. <laughs> What, what do did, what did the rest of you
3: think of this one? Uh, look, it was enjoyable enough watching it for the podcast. As I said a minute ago, yes, I was guilty of sort of sloping off and uh, doing something else. I realised that was tonight's episode when they were repeated. I, I do wonder whether this may have been a better episode for during Series 5, when probably their musical career and all the appearances and that they were doing were at their peak. Uh, so I think probably by Series 6, the music stuff is starting to wind down, really, for them.
2: Yeah, look, that that'd be true, that they've certainly peaked on releasing singles you know back in well the I mean let's face we
3: charted the rise of the funky given during series just talks
2: on series five and this is a year later yeah so, so. look for, for me again aging myself here being you know a few years older than you chaps this probably hit me later so I was just developing my own taste in music and I was a goodies fan and I did enjoy the comedy records and there was Kenny Everett and Captain Kremen and all these sorts of things that I was being exposed to so I enjoyed this a lot more I remember sitting there got the tape recorder out plugged it into the tv and I you know recorded a version just so I could have it on cassette to play okay. afterwards.
1: Rob what about
0: you? Oh look I remember when I was a boy feeling really crestfallen when this episode came on television but so bereft was I of anything else better to do I just sort of slumped in front of the television and just waited out for 30 minutes and- <laughs> Oh, this song's okay on, oh, what the hell's going on with the rest of it? So, having come back to it after all these years, I, I was entertained. I mean, it's, look, it's an interesting window back onto my childhood, you know, and mm. what I liked and disliked. And, uh, look, some of the songs, as you said, Dave, are quite catchy. Mm. Some of the songs are quite poor, but it's all a matter of taste.
1: All right, so we'll work through the songs, hopefully at a good pace, and then we'll have a few general comments on the episode, and then we'll talk more generally about their music. So, it opens up appropriately with Please Let Us Play, which I think is quite a good little opener.
2: This actually appeared in the new Goodies LP, so it was taken off that as they were trying to actually set up the concert almost as a rock opera, where you know they're going through a progression there saying, Please let it play, let's get out there and start the story. So I find it amusing when they actually cut to the shots of the audience and they're, you know. Raising and bumping no, their no, fists. No, 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 yeah. no. You've got one woman that's absolutely sitting on her hands. And she just, uh, I'm not clapping. No.
3: <laughs> no, and that's <laughs> actually a you know, I had. This, if you'd come in to watch the goodies being filmed yeah. and you'd been presented with this. This would have been a, a bit of a jar I would have thought for you if you were yeah. expecting to come and watch an actual episode being filmed and then they'd sort of be getting a concert
1: for the evening. I, mm. I get a feeling some of them were just like thought it was fantastic that they're actually going to be on camera yeah. and are loving it. There are others that as you say are going well, no this is what I expected. Mm. Mm. Can we confirm that this was shot in one go and this is the same yeah. audience?
2: Filmed in July. Of that year, yeah, so and it was just that evening's recording, okay. The
0: audience there's different shots of different sections
2: or different different members, section so of the audience, yes, yeah, so obviously. So, and end. I think they and there's just that one cutaway shot at the end where, of course, there's the seats are empty and you just got the cleaning lady, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a couple of filmed inserts where they do Pans Grannies, I, I think, and, yeah, and, that, and comes that sort of stuff, it. but
2: yeah, change of costumes and things yeah. like that. So, it would have been a, a longer
1: recording for those components. Yeah. Graham then gets his first solo performance with good old country music. I thought this was less good. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: not good old country music. Yeah. No, it's just called all country music.
1: Look, it's an example of something that we see in a number of these songs where they are overtly comedy songs, mm. where there is a joke. And that joke's quite funny at the first time, but because a song has to go for two and a half minutes, you get a bit bored of it over time. So the joke here is that when they get to certain words, they howl rather than sing. That's quite funny. The first time, as I say, by sort of three minutes at the end of it, I'm like, yes, yes, I've got that. Can we move on?
2: Certainly not a great song. Again, something off the new Goodies LP, which is probably the most popular album that the Goodies did, and we'll get to that later in the podcast. It's just not much, really. Mm. I actually felt
1: that way about the whole Western Component of this special. Well, let's segue then into the next one, which is Cactus in My Wife Fronts, which is a Tim solo. That was just bizarre, I thought. Yes. That is bizarre. So it was originally written for, I'm sorry, I'll read that again.
2: Yes, where it was performed by Bill, and then it was actually performed by Graham at a Poke in the Eye with a Pointed Stick concert that was on earlier in 1976. And again, that appears on one of the Goody's albums, which is nothing to do with Us, which was their fourth. Their naughty uh, album. Their naughty album, but performed by Tim again at that point.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's probably the better of the two country ones, but it's weird. Like, it is it is an actual out of that comedy song, isn't it? Yeah, it is much more. It, it is. One. So the next one they do is Poor Old Soul, which leads into the Funky Chicken. I'm going to go out here and say, in my opinion, this was the worst of the lot in this episode, and it was just bloody tedious. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was awful. Tell me why I'm wrong. or uh. <laughs> Tell me why you disagree, if you do. Not at all. I don't think you're on the Desert Island Records on that one. Yeah, so uh. the conceit of this one is that they just do various iterations of, you know, do a particular move. So yes. it's the festering ferret. It's the
3: belligerent bee, the loony moth. Yeah,
1: yeah. the...
2: Slimy so, Toad, the Disgusting 3 toed Slow. Yeah. That's not a very good song.
0: I found the, uh, the different iterations mildly amusing. The Loony Moth, for instance, just fluttering around. The incontinent Elephant. Yeah.
2: The
1: Dead not great, but, you know. Yeah, I just sort of thought that it's one of those things where, okay, the jokes that we're doing odd dances and mm. by sort of, you know, the 25th version of that. And, you know, the, the, the soul singers just sort of belting out the same yeah. Yeah. A syllabic tone. Mm. Yeah, I just, I didn't like it.
3: But, of course, it then leads into
0: the Funky
3: Gibbon.
2: No, 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 no. Not doing the Funky Gibbon.
0: <laughs> I think it says a lot about the top 40 charts in the UK that this made it so high. Did this get the four? Number four. This, I didn't like this at all. The Funky Gibbon. No.
3: Come
1: on,
0: everybody. It's Gibbon
1: time. No,
0: no, no, no. There are better songs on this, uh, this episode. It, it
1: really is that particularly British phenomenon of the TV show Novelty Song. That got bizarre success. Yeah. The nearest thing I can think to it is probably about ten years later, when Spitting Image got to number one with the chicken song. Oh,
3: shit. <laughs> um, oh there was Clive Dunn from Dad's Army who did Grandad. Yep. There was Benny Hill with uh, Ernie the
2: the fastest milkman in the west.
3: Yes, thank you.
1: Yeah, so it, it's a very British phenomenon. I think it fits very nicely in oh,
3: there. Not, not these songs have always had a bit of a, I think, here no. in Australia as well. I mean, let's face it, shut up, you face. Oh,
1: uh. do, do <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a pay into the migrants' experience in this country, all right? <laughs> okay, the difficulty of multiculturalism fitting in. The Funky Gibbon is probably their most well-known song, you'd say? Or their biggest song? Yes, yes. So it's certainly their biggest hit.
2: Yeah. So, again... You got his LP, its own single, that point, where we got to number four. And again, shot of the audience, guy on the green t shirt was going over the top. He was making up for that woman that was sitting on the head <laughs> earlier, uh, doing the ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, he was up on his seat, practically.
1: <laughs> it is an interesting piece. And one thing that it highlights here as well is that Graham, who we've praised a lot for his physical comedy, when he's kind of stuck behind a microphone, he really seems to be quite uncomfortable and really struggling.
3: Yeah, I got that impression as well. I don't think he was having a particularly
2: good time, he I don't think, doing this. doesn't like it at all. It's like when they did the Top of the Pops special. He goes, there was nothing sadder than a 30-year-old man appearing on top of the Pops going, ooh, ooh, ooh. And he, he was incredibly embarrassed by... Yeah, his, yes, there is a 40-year-old list. man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I mean, later on, when we get to The Last Chance Dance, where he gets to be the conductor and he gets to sort of let himself go a bit and do a bit of physical comedy, he does seem a lot more relaxed. But, yeah, when he's just, as you say, stuck behind a microphone... And and
3: having to face the audience and perform for the
1: audience, Mm. yeah. Yeah.
0: It is a different skill set, I suppose, getting up and singing as opposed to getting up and
1: performing. Yeah, because Bill Oddy clearly absolutely loves it and he's having a great time. Mm. And and Tim, because he's actually can play to the audience, I think he's enjoying it more. Mm. Whereas Graham, I don't think he's ever got into that stand-up type thing. He's much happier... I think he's happy, it's just writing scripts. Well, you
0: can see Tim, as we see later on, Tim going out to the audience and interacting with the audience, but I think Graham would rather die than yeah. actually do that.
1: Yep. Yeah. The next song is the Sick Man Blues, which I don't think is very good either.
0: It's funny, that actually is one of the
3: few songs I remember probably from watching this when I was young. Mm. And it was probably the bit about I threw up in
1: Timbuktu. Come here, baby, and I'll I throw, up throw up over you. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one that was written for I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again. Yep. Was that ever released commercially?
2: It was a B side to the Funky Gibbons single.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Uh,
2: later on, it did appear on one of the greatest hits albums.
1: We then get to one of my favourites, which is The In Betweenies, which I think is actually a really catchy song. It's really well performed here. Unfortunately, they only do the first verse, about half a chorus, and then cut it off.
3: Yeah. Well, again, I suppose it's another medley of another three songs. So yes, which is this Black Pudding, Bertha, and Nappy Love. <laughs> <laughs> and no, that's not a euphemism.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, In Betweenies appeared on the Goodies Greatest in 1976. It was the B-side to the Funky Gibbon in the US back in May '75. Black Pudding Bertha also appeared on the Goodies Greatest 76, and it was uh, its own single in 75. And Nappy Love appeared on the new Goodies LP, and again was originally on, I'm sorry, I'll read that again, performed by Bill 1973.
1: Okay, so any other thoughts on the in-betweenies? Did anyone else enjoy it? it Oh, I think
2: it's a great song. What,
1: the full version, or just that... Or Either or,
2: the, I like the full version of it as well. But I'm glad it had representation here.
1: I think the full version does help a lot because you actually go through the lifespan, so to speak, and you got before and after. And yeah. It.
2: yeah.
0: And I think because it's a medley, I, I have no recollection, even though I watched it yesterday, so I can't
1: comment. <laughs> well, any comments on Black Pudding Bertha?
2: Again, yeah, they're just channeling the, the popularity of Eki Thump. Mm. So yeah. They're in the Eki uh, Thump costumes, doing before. the
1: whole by gum,
3: yeah, yep. sort of thing. Yeah. Queen of Northern Soul. Yep.
1: yep. We need to perhaps mention Nappy Love because this is one of the more unusual ones here. Again, originally written for I'm Sorry I Read That Again. It was released as a single in 1975. It's included on the new Goodies LP. Now, it's sung by Bill, but with Tim and Graham doing hand puppet sort of sock babies, it's a little odd. I actually find it quite a catchy song. And I think it's a very deliberate pastiche of the sort of Osmonds. Well, it is. I, I think sickling. I, I assumed it
3: always assumed it was a pastiche. There was a song called "Puppy Love," and yes. I'm assuming it was obviously a pastiche of that. Yes, but
1: mm. it probably was. So you move on to another one that was inspired by an episode, it's obviously from *Goodies*. Rule, okay? And it was released as a single itself in 1976, and that's
3: "Bounce." I think we're now probably getting to the point where I came back. Why now? When I was waiting
1: for Doctor. <laughs> I thought Bounce worked really well within the context of the Goody's Ruler episode. As a standalone song, does it stand out? Does not
3: work? Mm, my primary memory of it is Graham in the cap. You feel
1: do so, Bounce? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes.
2: <laughs> Which is different to the record version. Well, uh,
1: I think there's a very definite attempt here to actually adjust the song for the audience. Yes. And actually make a bit of a show of it. And yeah. Graham's clearly just sat there and going, well, look, Bill, this is your episode. You've written it all. At least I can do a few gags. Mm. I thought it was catchy. It's a catchy song. Performance they
3: gave us. Plus, I suppose they have some of the film clips in the background, including Harold Wilson with the dog.
0: Yeah, so they have the audience with the blues and everything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: suppose it's no longer or shorter than what they've shown in the Goodies Rule OK. So. We're starting to head towards the end of the episode. We've got what's actually my favourite of the lot, and that's The Last Chance Dance, which actually, as a song, stands up, I think, on its own musical merits. But it's quite funny, and all of the humour comes not just from the lyrics, but from Tim... Practically demonstrating the actions of the song with a uh, young lady. Interestingly enough, there's a very good example of the goodies self censoring because there is a line where Tim turns around and says, I suppose that is out of the question. Yes, well,
3: I think the thing was when they did it other times, he would, as he does here, he'd take a young lady out of the audience Mm. and and dance with them. And yes, the idea was that he would lean in and sort of whisper in her ear something a bit suggestive. I believe on at least a couple of occasions he got an affirmative.
1: so that's, that's quite good and we then get to the big finale of the concert which is Wild Thing, which again was used in Goody's Rule okay as we discussed in our podcast coverage of that episode as far as we know it's just there because Bill really likes the song and wanted to do a cover yeah this is the high point of the episode yeah I must admit yeah. I,
3: I think this and The Last James Dance are you know, probably the thing... two best tracks on the concert
0: the only thing that tracks from this performance is, in the actual episode, um, you can see people actually grabbing, I think, Tim, as he's singing, you know, Not So Tight or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I love the song. It's a really good song.
1: And at least it actually gives Tim and Graham a chance to be involved.
3: And, and this is a really good rendition.
1: Yeah, oh, I really good listen, rendition. I think
3: this is a great rendition.
1: Yeah, Bill just, you yeah, know, goes for it, which is good to see.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's probably my favourite song of the entire concert. Did they release this yeah. as a single? They, they did. It was on the New Goodies LP.
3: Like most of the rest of the concert, uh, 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 New Goodies <laughs> LP
2: is... And we'll get to this discussion. Is predominantly the record the highlight of the Goody's musical career?
1: And it finishes with the Goody's theme. Did they actually do a live performance of that, or is it just them miming to the actual theme song? Things of mime. Yeah, it's interesting. There's stuff like, for example, you look at some of the stuff that Graham's doing in some of the songs. If that's miming to some very fast-paced you know, words, yeah. that's incredibly good. But there's other stuff where yeah, yeah, the correct. way they're working around the microphones, you go, there's actually no way that would be so nicely balanced. Yeah, correct. Try to have two and share one microphone, mm. so I'm not sure how it was done.
0: Yeah, it'd be
1: interesting to know. So a couple of general points we need to make here. One of the ones is this is an example, one of I think only two where we actually get shots of the audience. Mm. And again, you can see this nice 1970s British audience all dressed up nicely to go and see the goodies record. And as we said, some of them are having a great time. And some of them are like, oh my God, I didn't know I was going to be on TV tonight.
2: And yet when you see the shot, when they've got the empty bits because Bill's just gone on so long with Wild Things, just the cleaning lady there, they are really crap seats that made the audience sit on. <laughs> <laughs> they
1: really are. Yeah. But if you were in the audience for the episode, please let us know. we would love to hear from you. <laughs> we also see the musicians live. Now, is anyone of note we should sort of mention?
2: It's Dave McRae?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, who wrote a lot of the music.
1: So which one is Dave McRae?
3: He's playing the keyboards for at least some of it.
2: Yeah, and I, I thought he was the one that was, uh, hey, Fiddle, have you got your bow, when he was doing uh, uh, Cactus in Your Wife Fronts. Yep. From there, but he married one of the backup singers moved out to Australia back in around 2000, or earlier than that, but he was out here locally, because so I know Bill, I think, tried to... Take some time off to mm. go and visit him sure when they're out for the tour. Yeah, when yeah. they're out for the tour, and but he was Bill's main
1: uh, music writing partner. Any other general comments on the episode? Did we enjoy watching it back more than we thought? At least
0: I did. I did. You know, musical tastes shift. I'm not a child anymore, so I, I can appreciate this more for what it is now. Yeah, I
1: think that's right. We can appreciate more what it's doing and the, some of the comedy and some of the puns actually are there. Mm. Much yeah, I, I was into time watching this, and I've always enjoyed it.
0: That, there that's it. I don't think I'll
2: ever go back to it, but... Uh... What about when the
1: box sets come out? No. <laughs> All right, we'll move into our regular segments then. Tropes and first. Well, it's obviously their first almost live musical episode. Yes. Is that about it? That's about bad... no, it. I don't think there's anything else. <laughs> the there. I, 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 I mean, Unless,
3: obviously, you pick the individual things out of the music.
1: Anything they couldn't get away with
2: today? I don't think they'd use Nazi bit in Bounce. I did have a note here about the images during
3: Sick Man Blues with the Cotton Pickers, but I don't know, <laughs> uh, yes, in, in the background, but that, that's probably getting a bit too nitpicky, perhaps.
1: Favourite gags, or perhaps we should say favourite
2: tracks.
3: Um, well, I, I'm going to go for Wild Thing.
2: I'd join you on Wild Thing. It's
1: probably the best. Yeah, it's wild Thing.
0: I did like Graham handing out the sick bags at one point. That was quite
1: funny. <laughs> yeah, and look, if we are going to do a favourite gag, I'm actually going to go for the bidding Last Chance Dance. Well, it's about if you're desperate, this is your last chance to pick up and cut a footage of President Ford dancing with Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and as the audience sort of clues on what they're doing, you can sort of hear the hear the laughter build. I thought that was quite a funny bit. So we've discussed a bit before, and obviously we've focused on it today. That the goodies actually were quite successful musicians or performers or however you want to put it in their own right. How did this come about? You know what? What is the story of them being basically a pop group? Well, Bill.
2: It basically comes down to Bill's uh, the frustrated pop star that he always wanted to be. So he wrote the music and he got it uh, placed into the show. I think he was the driving force behind all music.
3: I think the comments from the other two were really well look, we're not really that musical, but we had a lot of fun doing it. This is really Bill's
2: baby, I think.
0: Did Bill, did his aspirations extend beyond just doing sort of comedy
1: tracks? Did he do... Did I, I think he would have liked to. Mm.
2: He did a couple of solo
3: albums. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, he'd enough. released stuff prior to The Goodies that mm. I don't think ever really charted,
2: But mm. and I think including writing songs for other people, I think.
0: But So where did his musical genre take him? What, what sort of music was it? I think
2: it was a lot of folk, folky type of... Uh, novelty.
0: I think he was also a bit of a reggae fan in that too,
3: uh, I think. Yeah.
2: Uh, one of them was called Distinctly Oddie. That's right. Well, I, I would sure.
3: assume it would have been a natural extension. And if you look at the early episodes, I mean, he was crafting at least one song for just about every episode. Yes. Each week. Yeah. So I guess given you're writing songs for each episode, it would be an extension of that that you would release a record of. We sort of make light of the music, but I mean, some of those songs Bill wrote for the episodes are really quite catchy little tunes.
2: Yeah absolutely they started off with decker in 1973 where they put out the album the goodies sing song from the goodies and there was a single release that was all things bright and beautiful and backed up with winter sportsman then they had the album out and then less than a year later they'd signed with bradley they re-released that album as the world of the goodies it's identical in every way mm-hmm. and that really showcased i think out of 11 songs 10 of them Uh, were from the show which it included the theme from the goodies so you had um, sorry 9 because All Things Bright and Beautiful wasn't and Sunny Morning wasn't but you had Ride My Pony from Hunting Pink Stuff That Gibbon from Old Black Magic Mummy I Don't Like My Meat from Superstar (laughs) Uh, Show Me The Way from Snooze the goodies theme which was the 3rd and 4th seasons version The Sparrow Song from Superstar Taking You Back from Camelot uh, Winter Sportsman from Winter Olympics and Space Hopper from Charity Bounce.
1: And It's interesting to wonder, given that people wouldn't have had an episode like Superstar on tape and it wasn't repeated much in the UK, so you might just have some vague memories on the episode at best... How those songs would translate putting the record on and listening to Mummy, I Don't Like My Meat or or the Sparrow song. Out of context, they would be bizarre to listen Mm, to.
3: They would be. Plus, of course, I suppose prior to that, I think there'd been the obligatory BBC release of the theme tune. I think either the Needed song or the Run song would make their way onto... Maybe having thrashed them to death in the episodes, they were sick of them.
2: Could be.
1: So I assume from there they then actually made a point of writing songs to release
2: they did coming out of there they actually in october 74 they put on the a christmas novelty which is father christmas do not touch me well these are
3: what you couldn't get away with today, today. absolutely <laughs>
2: especially, especially if you listen to it when they start chopping off the last words yes. and syllables and uh, it's a weird song it's a very weird. weird song and that was actually backed up with the in-betweenies well, it's worth it for
1: that i, I think the inbetweenies is a really good song I
2: really so, like that one. after that in 1975, obviously, it was their peak year,
1: and that coincided with their peak
3: appeal
0: on television. Yeah. That's well, like, that's when
3: they're doing like their Top of the Pops appearances. Top of the Pops
2: book were coming out. This was everything happening. Does that Top of the Pops uh, appearance still exist? One of them does, which is from a later. This is going about 78. Man's Best Friend is his duck. The Funky Gibbon one still exists. Well, oh, it could it? be somewhere. It's not on any of the discs, though. No, it's not. So, 75, we saw uh, the singles come out for the first nine months, which was Funky Gibbon with Sick Man Blues. April saw Stuff That Gibbon with The Goodies theme. We had the re-release of uh, The Goodies Sing Song from The Goodies uh, as The World of The Goodies. It was identical to the previous year's release. Funky Gibbon and the In Betweenies in the US in May. June saw Black Pudding, Bertha, and Panic. And September saw Nappy Love and Wild Thing as a single.
1: Sorry, there's a nice contrast there, you know, of styles. You know, Wild Thing and Nappy Love are not exactly uh, similar in tone. No. And and
2: Wild Thing was the B-side. Wow. October saw the release of the New Goodies LP, or the New Goodies cassette, or the New Goodies cartridge. (laughs) 8-track. (laughs) 8-track. For your (laughs) beat-up Cortina. (laughs) And November saw their next novelty record, which was Make a Daft Noise for Christmas, backed up with The Last Chance Dance. Okay. okay. That was absolutely the pivotal year in music because, as uh, we said earlier, New Goodies LP was it practically or has been re- reproduced in full in the latter um, CD release, Yum Yum.
1: And you can also see in there they're embracing, as they are in the TV show, a lot more satire. Uh, for example, Pricklewood is musically very obviously a satire of Strawberry Fields. Yes. We mentioned before how Nappy Love and Puppy Love go together. So you would actually do see that almost Weird owl Al style mm. um, satirising in their music.
2: 76, uh, we saw Funky Gibbon and Custard Pie released in Australia in April.
1: Sorry, just looking over
3: your shoulder at your notes there, you've got a couple there that are Australian-only releases. Yeah. Because that's really the period where they first put them on on weeknights here so it's where the goodies really took off here yeah it's also when tim actually did his first tour here they got him out for a promotional tour yes and he did his appearance on norman gunston um, (laughs) which yeah which which is on youtube if you look for it okay quite a good little interview actually
0: is that tim in character or no it's just
3: tim Brook taylor but he got what norman was about yeah quite, quite quickly so it is actually quite a good interview
2: yeah he plays the part Fantastically, okay. So, yeah, uh,
1: unlike some of
2: the other Norman Gunston interviews, correct. So, May saw Bounce and Good Old Country Music out, Australia saw Good Old Country Music backed up with Wild Thing, and uh, I've got Custard Pie, but I don't know what it was backed up with as a single. They released The Goodies Greatest in November, it's already in a greatest hits round, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've had three albums, one of which is a repeat, and we put out a greatest hits album. A lot of it, though, is not only the greatest hits, but they also put in a couple of other songs that just appeared on singles, so they weren't just from the albums. So 76 exactly actually appearing to be another huge year because we also saw the release of a proper album. This is where uh, the goodies moved across to Island Records. Ah, Uh, yes. So so they left Bradley, and Island Records was best known as Bob Marley's label.
3: Yeah, they went there because it was the coolest label
2: in town, and I they, think they could at the time. they could do what they want and they could whatever just just lay down tracks. That's usually a mistake. Well, their songs on there were very experimental. This Bill is often cited this as the album. This, this is it. This is what he worked towards. It was a concept album. It was this huge. is his pet sound. Absolutely, a Goody's concept album. It is <laughs> the, the, the 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 first song, the Policeman's Opera which is a major work in four parts with a few bits in between goes for 11 minutes and 36 seconds okay. uh, so some the, serious acid was dropped absolutely you've got an overture which is called The Pig's Lament you've got Dread Cops Coming which is about the uh, first black cop on the beat there was a raster heavy stuff heavy stuff <laughs> Photo Fit Love and She Does Not Exist and then followed off by the Rhapsody in Blue finale I've uh, never heard of any yeah. of those you got lines like "Be the first spade in the Metropolitan Force," in there, yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and they have the gall to patronise a black and white minstrel
2: show.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that was Graham singing it. You know, he's just doing the rasta voice throughout the whole. Lot. This is the, actually the first goodies album I ever bought. I saw it there in Brashes. For those that oh, remember that brand. Brashers, bro. Um, Saw it there, I thought, oh wow, the goodies, they got an album, I have to buy that. Never realised they had any others and it took me 15 years to discover that they actually put out other albums and collect them started so, collecting them. So, so
0: when you got that home, were you... Uh, have the headphones on or did you crank it for the family there? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just played. It was just a record. No one could make out the lyrics. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Until we started... Taking it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, you read the liner notes. Well, huh? the Australian version didn't come with it, but the British edition of this LP actually has the words, the words. Okay. on there. Anyway, other songs are there. Cactus in My fronts appears on the record for the first time. Then you've got Elizabeth Rule's UK, which became a single along with the first song of Side 2 called Blowing Off, which is a song about farting. Come
3: near me, baby, and I'll blow off over Over you. (laughs) Not quite.
2: Uh, Blowing off, it's a gas. Blowing off, it's a treat. Right. (laughs) It's a sin to keep it in, so let it rip. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Next one was I wish I could get high. About the failure of a man who tried every drug under the sun and could not manage to get high. Synthesizer man was next. Fun ditty. She wouldn't understand a man cheating on his wife with absolutely everything. And I wish I had something to say. So at this so. point, could you say
0: that their music career was on a steady decline?
3: Well, Ireland, I think, really is, the, really is the end of them as popular musicians. Yeah. They do have stuff after this, but this, I think, is really where we sort of draw the line under the goodies as a musical act.
2: Yeah, certainly of anything of pop version of a funky gibbon or anything else style. There's one original album after this one and it is absolutely a novelty concept album. At the same time, later that year, Best of the Goodies, Australian-only release, with a bunch of the songs. In 1978, we saw two singles, which was Mickey Mouse, which was literally the Mickey Mouse theme done by Bill, with uh, beefed That's
3: up M- a Bit. That's Alexis Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who is that fat bastard?
2: <laughs> yes. Um, so it was backed up with Funky Farm, and then A Man's Best Friend is his Duck, backed up with Taking My Oyster for Walkies and Resta Shanty. That was an EP. Then we saw the Beastly Record, and this was their last album. Everything is themed around an animal in all the tracks, or songs about animals. So Melody Farm, Taking My Oyster for Walkies, Spring, Spring, Spring. Terrapins, Man's Best friend is Duck, Spank That Hamster.
3: And that's not a euphemism either. No.
2: Rasta Shanty, Ironing My Goldfish, Funky Farm, There's a warus in the Soup. Why Does an Elephant Go Tweet Tweet, I Am a Carnivore, and The Elephant Joke Song. And when was that released? And that was in 1978.
3: And that's so, after they'd moved to
2: EMI.
0: Yeah. And the reason why there were no more albums is because they lost interest, or there was no takers? Uh,
3: I, I don't think this sold that
2: well. I, yeah, I, I, that's what I would hazard. Uh, the only album that they released after that was another Greatest Hits album. This was in '81, and that was in conjunction when they moved over to LWT to do Series 9.
3: Milk that back catalogue just one last time. That's basically it. Well, I was going to say, because the note I had here about the EMI move, because the island thing really didn't work, yep. they approached or were approached by EMI. And because at the time when this was released, this was the 50th anniversary of Mickey Mouse, ah. EMI had an arrangement with Disney whereby they would do some Disney-themed stuff. So they palmed Mickey Mouse off onto the goodies. And I think the arrangement was very much, look, you do this, and we'll produce your album. I see. I think so, That that's how they wound up doing the Mickey Mouse thing.
0: Yep. So, how then do we sum up their musical career? Are they merely a novelty act?
3: Given they had two top five singles, and what, two or three others in the top 20, sort of a bit hard to write them off really just as a novelty act, I would have thought. My preference is probably for some of the little songs they did in the episodes, And I would have probably liked... There's a few other songs from the episodes I would have really liked to have seen on album.
1: Well, if I can quote from Bill Oddy here, and I'll reference what I'm quoting in a moment, he does say, Well, folks, in 1976, a reputable rock magazine placed the goodies as the sixth best-selling group in Britain and, more to the point, I.W.E. Oddie was the fifth most successful songwriter in the land.
3: Well, there you go. There
0: you go.
3: And I know with... Just jumping back to the things on the records, I mean, I know Bill... One of his biggest gripes with writing the songs for the goodies was he would put time and effort and blood, sweat and tears into writing these great little songs. And then, of course, they would put dialogue over them or sound effects and this sort of stuff. And, of course, you'd lose a lot of the music.
2: And nuances of music, yeah.
3: which was his biggest disappointment. And, And apparently he has said one of the questions he regularly gets asked is, well, why can't you just release a thing of goodies songs now? And he said, well, the master tapes are long gone for any of the songs they used in the show. And really, his voice uh, isn't now what it was. Mm. So, So yeah, he now can't go back and re-record them.
1: Yeah. So one album that we do need to mention as well is a CD that came out in 1997, which is Yum Yum, The Very Best of the Goodies. So a little anecdote, I was actually on my way to a Doctor Who club meeting in 1997 when I stopped off at the local CD shop looking to the soundtrack to something else. And there was a CD of The Best of the Goodies. So I promptly bought it, took it to the meeting to show everybody, and I know at least four people went home via that shop to buy copies of yes, the goodies. So so. I
3: bought a coffee shortly thereafter, so... <laughs>
1: Who said word of mouth doesn't work? That's exactly <laughs> right. But it's interesting because as well as having a number of tracks, it's got 20 tracks in all, which are from all across their albums, and there's some you know, good stuff in there and some less good stuff in there, the sleeve notes do have a whole little... Well, almost a rant by Bilotti, where he's actually, he's actually quite... I think he's trying to come across as a little bit ironic and a little bit humorous, but actually comes across... I'm sure it's
3: meant to be satirical. Yes, but it actually
1: comes across quite defensive. And if I could just uh, quote from a couple of parts of here, I recall the lonely nights I spent replacing Tim and Graham's backing vocals by double-tracking myself and then putting my voice through a harmoniser so they wouldn't recognise me and get all hurt and sulky. Yes, of course that was you two singing in perfect thirds. Not. (laughs) He then finishes it off by saying, P.S., I would like to thank the other two goodies, but I really can't it would have been so much easier without them. Which I believe didn't go down too well. It's one of those things that sounds good in your head, but in the hard black and white written word, yes. actually sounds either defensive or unpleasant.
2: Yes, Graham did have words about that that landed out the track within him. So he goes, yes, irony doesn't really come across well in your print version, Bill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But look, I must have been—you know I rushed home when I bought this and listened to it right the way through, and there were lots right. of songs I'd never heard, and it was very entertaining. There are some that you could listen to just on a mixtape or in a compilation of MP3s, as they are these days, and quite enjoy. Some of their more satirical or comedy songs, I actually think, don't stand the test of time, or unless you know the source material, Mm. they don't quite work. But look, when they hit, they they hit very, very well, and they obviously did sell a lot of albums.
3: One note I did want to have, actually, of course, for Australians, the band Spiderbait, of course, Mm. did their version of the Run song. And because they couldn't obtain music for it, I believe they actually got that down by just listening to it over and over until they got the chords. Yes. And of course, the thing is, if you can find it, and it is on YouTube, there is a really cool little video that goes with it, which is basically them just enacting scenes from the goodies. Yes, just as the goodies. Yes. Yes.
2: Mm. So, yeah, just wrapping up on that, uh, that last greatest hits album in I won't go through the songs, but what it did was effectively collect the greatest bits and pieces of the last albums and... Put on an LP the last of the singles that hadn't been previously replaced, right. released, like Mickey Mouse. And after Yum Yum, there was an expurgated version called Funky Gibbon, the best of the goodies. Oh, yes, I've that. Which was 16 tracks of the 20 that was on Yum Yum, and that's basically finished off their musical career.
1: Any other general thoughts about their music before we head off? Well, my only experience is
0: this, this through almost live, just to wind back to the start. Yeah. Fun insubstantial for me personally
3: Uh, yeah I've certainly enjoyed listening to some of the goodies music as I said my favourites are the songs from the series Mm. I think because you can tie that back to to what's actually happening in the show at the time and as I said earlier there are a few I really wished had been released on
2: the albums but I do have a certain like for my very first goodies album which other than the actual one that was in the show which was Cactus in My Wife Runs but It is quite an adult album and the concepts behind it. Certainly, what wouldn't they get away with today? That would be the (laughs) thing that you would say. It's that album. It really, just the whole, it hits every point about racism in the police force, police brutality, the police actually bashing victims and then you're going into drug use, farting and messing around with everybody other than your partner. But yeah, I just have a fondness for that album. There's a lot of good songs out there from the show and some of the stuff outside of
1: it. Okay. So that's a very thorough discussion of the episode goodies almost live and their music. Next week we'll be starting season 7 with alternative routes, but on your way to parallel history, maybe you'll take a walk in the Black Forest. Wild Thing You make my heart sing You make everything groovy Wild Thing I love you. But I want to know for sure. Come on, hold me tight. Not quite that tight. Oh, yes. I love you.
2: coming. Wild thing. Turns you out.
1: Wild thing, I think you move me. But (laughs) I want to know for sure. Let me hold you tight. Oh, I'm moved! (laughs) Completely moved! So groovy cool. oh, wow. Wow.